So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And, uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Today, I wanted to tell you about our new organization. It is a 501c3 nonprofit organization in Southern California. It's called the Autoimmune Community Institute. We're dedicated to health equity in autoimmune disease research, policy, and support for the communities of color, the underrepresented communities out there that don't often see themselves in disease community events, for example, and they don't see their face, a face like theirs, in their community. And we are dedicated to community-based participatory research. We're dedicated to serving the community, for example, cooling programs and also delivery services during the COVID-19 pandemic. For example, the immunocompromised community not being able to go out into public spaces due to disability or immunocompromised status from disease-modifying drugs. And we provide delivery services of essential goods, food, masks, protective gear, hand sanitizer, and so on to these communities. So please consider a donation to the Autoimmune Community Institute. You can find us at ACI, as in Autoimmune Community Institute, acicommunity.org. Welcome to COVID-19, Public Health, Policy, and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health, policy, and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. Welcome to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno, and I hope all is going well in your location. So we're in the month of August now, and this pandemic is going to be around a lot longer than anticipated. I'm really disappointed, for example, in the United States in terms of how the response has been with COVID-19. I still see people doing all sorts of things uh, in terms of not wearing masks in public, even on television as people talk in groups in enclosed spaces. Yeah, I just don't see much of an end to this for the coming months. 
And so it's going to be a really interesting rest of this year as we're already past the second half of the year. We're in, we're in August now. Yeah, I kind of just don't see much difference in terms of the pandemic um, kind of not leaving our conversation. I don't see that happening. And in this episode, we're talking about Ukraine. More specifically, we're talking about the military experience in different countries. And this is one example. We're speaking to somebody who was recently, uh, as a military spouse, who was recently has moved to Ukraine. And she just shares with us what the pandemic has been like in her location and what it's like to live in a different country during a pandemic as a military spouse. So that's what we'll be talking about today. This is Ashley. She is a professional in maternal health and she's a sleep specialist. And today she's going to be sharing with us her experience in the city of Kiev and in Ukraine. So at the current time, we're looking at early August at the moment. According to the news, it's Ukraine is currently in lockdown through the end of the month. It's a nationwide lockdown and we're looking at about 75,000 cases and 1,700 deaths due to the coronavirus. And yeah, apparently Ukraine's going to be in lockdown until August 31st. So they're doing their part to control this pandemic. So that's good. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely no fun to be in a lockdown. It's definitely no fun to be in social distancing or any any sort of harsh restrictions. But unfortunately, it is really the wisest choice when it comes to wisely containing the virus. So I hope you enjoy this episode with us today as we speak to Ashley, who is a military spouse in Ukraine. Thank you for listening to this episode of COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture. Today, we are introducing Ashley Olivine to our podcast today. She's a military spouse in Ukraine, and she's also a maternal health, sleep, and stress specialist. So I am so excited to hear about how COVID-19 is being handled in the Ukraine, and I am really excited to speak to Ashley again. We're old friends. And I, yeah, thank you so much for being here today, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're putting this information out here because I know a lot of people need information and somewhere to turn. So I'm glad you're making it available. Thank you. So how are you doing these days? I'm almost afraid to say it, but I'm doing great. Awesome. <laughs> I, no, that I is... feel okay. I feel like so many people, myself included, when we're kind of at the the normal everyday life, we just have so much going on. And I feel like right before COVID happened, I was starting to overstretch and do too much. And COVID's just been like this big reminder of what's important and what we need to do to kind of get back to the basics. So I'm trying to shift this, this challenge and unknown into an opportunity to make the best out of the situation. And I feel like I'm doing okay with that right now. Awesome. I love my friends. I love the people I know <laughs> who have this great attitude of approaching difficulties and challenges and using them as learning opportunities. I am so grateful. 
Ashley, well, of course, that's coming from someone who did not test positive for COVID. So maybe I'd have a different attitude if I were suffering from it right now. Yeah, that's true. But then at the same time, if, if, you know, if we were dealing with it, that attitude is what's going to get us through to survive. Exactly. So, Ashley, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you've been up to in Ukraine. So we moved to Ukraine um, in August. So we're relatively new here. We've been here less than a year. Um, and we live in Kiev, which is the, the big capital city here. And um, we are right in the middle of the city. So I look out my window and there are lots of big buildings, a lot of population here. So not the ideal place to be riding out a quarantine. We live in an apartment um, without a yard. So um, obviously we're looking at, you know, people who live out in the middle of nowhere and they can go outside all the time. We're thinking, oh, maybe this isn't the best time to be city living, but we do like living here. Um, but COVID has definitely changed the way of life. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the culture in terms of how people are handling the pandemic and uh, what some of the policies have looked like. So I have not been out much. So it's kind of um, hard to say exactly how everyone's dealing with it. Um, but people are being careful um, and there are grocery stores obviously are open and people are taking precautions, um, wearing masks and some of the places even have like face shields that cover their whole faces. They're taking temperatures when you walk into the grocery store. Um, people are wearing gloves and they're doing stuff. Um, I don't get a huge sense of fear. There are people who are not following through with recommendations. Um, the enforcement of policy is not 100%. Um, so the, the policies are shifting. Um, the, it seems like every day, it's, it's not every day, but it seems like, especially in the beginning, things were changing so fast. Um, one day it was, you know, schools are closing, the next a whole bunch of other places were closing. At one point it got down to just essential businesses like grocery stores and pharmacies were open. Um, and I think the most strict regulations we got here, it said um, people couldn't congregate with any more than two people. They had to be wearing masks and you had to keep, you know, the six feet distance. Um, but I think they had it in meters, but okay. it was, it was comparable to the six feet distance. Um, I think they, there was something about walking a dog. You could walk your dog, but other than that, they didn't want people to be outside if it wasn't essential with a purpose. Um, we don't have a dog, so I didn't really pay too much attention to that. They closed, um, parks and you know just everything pretty much was closed borders closed so it's definitely a big change to the way of life mm -hmm. just like everywhere pretty much sounds pretty similar to what's going on in the u.s would you say mm -hmm. that um it's kind of along the same timeline or were things closed up a little earlier uh sounds like you're in that second phase like we're talking about here 
Well, it's, it is definitely close to the same um, timeline as the U.S. Um, just in comparison to my friends back in the U.S., our schools closed a little bit earlier. Um, and at the, that point, they were saying, we I don't remember if it was zero cases or one case or just a few cases, but for a long time, Ukraine was registering very, very few cases. And it we were all thinking, you know, this probably isn't accurate because you would look at our, our neighboring countries that had lots of cases and, um, you know, Italy had a lot of cases, Germany had a lot of cases, and people fly through Germany all the time to get to Ukraine. So we were just thinking this is probably not accurate. And I know there was um, a problem with getting test kits. And then the uh, Ukraine got test kits and the cases went up very fast. So um, we're still not sure about, you know, how accurate the the numbers are because, you know, to be honest, the, the healthcare system here is not what it is in the U.S. So um, resources are not as abundant and um, we really don't know about the tracking system. So it's hard to tell just how bad it is, um, but there are definitely quite a few cases now. I think you asked more about timeline. So we are starting to um, loosen the restrictions now. Um, and it's the, the first phase of loosening restrictions. So some places are starting to open and then either later this month or beginning of next month, they're talking about maybe going into the second phase. Okay, sorry about that. My husband just walked in the room, turned on the shower. I had to leave. <laughs> I was working from bed because just because, and I had to leave. So that's go. all right. <laughs> Did I answer your question? Yes, thank you. I was just moving into another room here. But um, so also, could you tell us a little bit more about what life in Ukraine is like? Kind of give us a, a visual experience of what you've been going, what you've seen since you've been there over the past months and um, what has changed? Okay, so comparison before and after uh, COVID. So for me, um, I have two kids. So the biggest thing for me really was the whole homeschooling change. Um, that was big. And it used to be, so we live in the middle of the city, so it's easier a lot of times to walk than to drive. I don't drive here. I'm I don't like driving in general, but the driving is a lot more intense in Kiev than it is anywhere that I've lived previously. I've driven in LA and I'm intimidated by Kiev driving. So okay. <laughs> um, <a> lot. <laughs> I didn't live in LA, but I would go there sometimes. And it's just the signs are different and the traffic laws are different. And maybe it's just because I'm not used to it and I don't know it. And that's throwing me off, but I'd rather take public transportation or um, walk is my favorite <laughs> way to get around. So um, the girls and I would walk to the grocery store and get our food and then walk back. And um, my older daughter, she's an experienced person. So she loves to like 
go to a cafe and sit down <laughs> and you know she's very into that stuff so it's been hard not being able to um buy her love that way <laughs> because that's really big for her even if we just go to a store and walk around and not buy anything it's, the buying things isn't important to her she just likes to go hang out and so it's been hard not to be able to do that um but you know it we can still get stuff delivered i think the delivery services turned off for a couple days while they were trying to figure out how to do everything safely but they it was just a short period of time where we couldn't get delivery groceries and stuff so it wasn't a big deal um what about like toilet paper, hand sanitizer? <laughs> yeah, I was actually just going there. Um, previous to COVID, we were actually having our toilet paper shipped from the U.S. Oh, <laughs> because, what? Uh, well, we, it's not the same, right? When you when you're living overseas, sometimes you just want a couple comforts from home mm -hmm. and most of the stuff we live off of the economy but toilet paper was one thing we just wanted our american toilet paper mm -hmm. so we buy it in bulk on amazon just like we did when we lived in the u.s and would, would be delivered um we pick it up at the embassy because we're attached to the embassy um but you know borders closed and we couldn't get we can't get mail now um oh, so wow yeah so we had some toilet paper but that stocking up on toilet paper seems to be more of an american thing there is plenty of toilet paper in the stores it's just not our american toilet paper that we're accustomed to mm -hmm. and then like hand sanitizer is that available i i haven't noticed we just wash our hands we don't so much use the hand sanitizer or like disinfecting wipes even I don't think there, I haven't noticed a shortage. We have, we had enough cleaning supplies before COVID. Um, and I think we bought some here and it wasn't an issue, but we haven't really gone to the store very many times. My mm -hmm. husband's gone a couple times. He didn't mention there being a problem. I went to the store. Um, it looked almost normal as far as being stocked. When we, um, there were a couple delivery guys who called and said that like some of the stuff we wanted wasn't available, but I think that's not so much an issue anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just hasn't been a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Are you living um, on a military base or? Um, There's no base here. Oh, so we're just living. It, it's just the embassy. So we are living in a normal Ukrainian apartment. Okay. Okay. And what about food? Have you been ordering delivery or cooking food? How has that been? I've been cooking food and I'm amazed at how much my family eats when <laughs> everyone's home all day and uh -huh. you can just go to the fridge and have a snack. And I feel like I cook and then it's all gone. Yeah. And the dishes, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just nonstop. Someone's always hungry. And when my daughter was going to school, she'd have lunch at school. You know, she'd be gone most of the day, not on weekends, obviously, but my husband would be at work and my daughter would be at school and there was less cooking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay. What do you think the country is doing well? So are you seeing a lot of people wearing masks out in the street? Like if you do look outside your window or anything like that in the city, are people doing all the protective things that they need to do? Um, um, yes and well? no. <laughs> yes and no. I, I've, I feel like in the beginning, people were better at it than they are now. And some people will just kind of have the mask hanging around their neck and use it intermittently or have it covering the mouth and not the nose. Mm -hmm. um, and some people won't have a mask, um, but then other people wear masks. And I can, I have a good vantage point from my window to look out on the road. So um, I see a lot of people walking around and at the beginning of quarantine, there were less cars, less people, but we've kind of moved into that stage one. So it's starting to get a lot more active out there now and people are loosening up quite a bit. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm at least wondering, is it too soon? But then you look at the other side of that and, you know, how, how many people are going to die because of the financial implications of shutting down an entire economy for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have, um, have you made friends with people living in the Ukraine, um, Ukrainian people? And um, have you talked to them about what's been going on? Have you heard a lot about people, uh, what types of jobs have been lost or like what the language is like in the news about the virus, the pandemic? I speak English only, so my contact is limited, um, and we're kind of in this sheltered environment because the people that we communicate with, even Ukrainians, are mostly, um, you know, working for the government, so it's, you know, like my husband works at the embassy, so it's a little bit different. We're kind of this unique portion of the population here. Mm -hmm. um, so I really don't know too much about people outside of our small little bubble. Mm -hmm. um, but I do know there was an issue with um, one of the churches, I guess there was COVID inside the church. And um, we have gone outside for, you know, to run a few times. And one time we ran by and the, the whole church area was like, blocked off and there were people in more than masks they had like um I don't know what you would call it but they had protection and they barricaded the entrance into the church and they weren't letting anyone in and um I guess that was something that hit the news a bit about the the church being infected oh, okay. so um where do you go for healthcare? There is a small clinic at the embassy. Um, wow, they have everything. Well, it's it's a limited. You can go there for vaccines and stuff like that, but they're very limited in what they can do. Like they they can't treat COVID. Um, there's there are hospitals in Ukraine um, that can treat COVID, and they're facing some of the problems that hospitals around the world are facing with um, limited resources and filling up with all the cases. Um, we are technically assigned to Germany for our health care. So oh, wow. obviously um, flying to Germany is a little bit complicated right now. 
so we're just kind of making jokes about let's hope nobody gets hurt because we can't fly to Germany. Mm -hmm. All right. So there aren't anything in terms of like, um, what are we calling them? Curfews or um, any sorts of restrictions like that. People are they're okay with um, you going out to restaurants right now or stores or um, there's. No real Restaurants were completely closed. Okay. And right now, I think the um, they have opened up like patio restaurants. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know exactly what it was <laughs> because I'm just kind of out of the loop um, in terms of everything. I figure out what's available as it applies to me. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I know some restaurants were doing delivery for a while and now the restaurants have opened for this stage one of reintegration um, to do some patio service. Um, but for a while they were just completely closed. Can you hear my husband? No, not at all. He's too much today. Okay. He's, <laughs> now he's on the phone right outside my door. Okay. Um, Okay, so then what else are we going to talk about? I wanted to talk to you about um, your work with psychology and, well, just in general, like sleep stress and the pandemic. Can you tell us about how the pandemic... Oh, I did hear that. <laughs> I can't tell what he's saying, but I heard I'm, a I'm voice. One second. I'm just going to tell. He can't. Something that's really brought up the fact that they wanted to essentially use their creation letter that explains your current climate. Is that what's going on? I don't think I can do anything. He's in the living room. <laughs> Our house is just too tiny. It's hard. People are trying to work and do everything. <laughs> um, oh, I, I know something that I wanted to tell you about life in Ukraine. Um, okay, okay. They closed parks. Like, everywhere um not just playgrounds but the whole like park was technically closed and the problem with that is that a lot of people in the city walk to work mm -hmm. so when those walking paths through the park are closed it pushes all the traffic to the sidewalks next to the roads and i thought that was a little um it was just not um helping people to distance more. I understand the point of closing a park so people can't just hang out there and congregate, but completely closing it to traffic so people can't walk through is just going to make more congestion in the areas that aren't closed. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would be a better idea to just say, okay, well, you can't congregate in a park, but you can walk through the park so people can be more spread out. And I don't know if that's something that happened differently in the U.S. or maybe it was different by different states. Yeah, everything seems to be run by states here. Um, but yeah, that seems like an unintended consequence of shutting down public parks and spaces, knowing that or maybe not considering the fact that everyone needs to move and travel um, and walk through the city. And now you're reducing that walking space. Yeah, but, you know, there were less people walking around because obviously less people going to work, less people going to restaurants, less people out and about in general. So mm -hmm. um, when the restrictions were very tight, um, 
the streets, I mean, there were people out there for sure because people still needed to go to pharmacies and grocery stores and some people needed to work, but it was a lot less people. And now it seems like it's getting close to back to normal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think everyone's just kind of over it. And for whatever reason, they're willing to risk um, their health for it. I, I don't know. I think part of it is people getting over it. Um, and I think part of it is that more things are starting to open now with the loosening of restrictions. So it's kind of a combination of it. Yeah. I think for like the only like consolation, I guess maybe is the fact that more people are wearing the mask. So then like if both, you know, like we're wearing a mask and then other people are wearing a mask, then it does significantly reduce the spread, but mm -hmm. it doesn't make it like a totally like um, what's the word? Not it's not going to eliminate your risk. Sanitized. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear a lot of people complaining about, well, those masks don't even work anyway, but you know, they catch some of it. So even if it's not a hundred percent, it's better than nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. And then is there like the equivalent or is there like the N95 mask out there for you or is it mostly just like cloth masks, surgical, um, medical masks, like the paper ones, what are people wearing? I have seen pretty much the cloth and the paper only. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, my neighbor got me, he's a painter or something. He works for a paint company. So he was able to give us some of the, the N95s, which is nice. It, it's basically a, a styrofoam cup. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like. But, Sounds um, comfortable, so comfortable. No, <laughs> not at all. But um, yeah, let's let's get into sleep stress and the pandemic. What can you tell us about how people are dealing with crises such as a pandemic and how stress affects our sleep? So a lot of um, you know, I've I've kind of wondered just how much um, people are being affected by the actual virus in comparison to how much people are being affected by the stress and the anxiety associated with the virus, you know, which one is hitting more people. Mm -hmm. And it's, it seems like some people are handling it just fine and other people are just overwhelmed by the stress and all the transitional changes, everything that's going on. Um, and that stress, can really tear you down physically, emotionally. It can obviously keep you up at night. And anytime you're not sleeping enough, you're more susceptible to get sick. And when you do get sick, it's harder to fight it off and tends to be more severe. So it's kind of like this cycle of, you know, if it's the disease, the thought of the disease that is stressing you, um, but at the same time, that stress is making it more likely for you to get sick and more likely for it to be more severe. So it's, it's tough. And I completely sympathize with people who are feeling overwhelmed. And it's a lot of change, um, not just with the, the thought of getting sick and the death rates and all of that, but also the lifestyle changes and you know, people can't get help with their kids. Um, kids are home from school. 
um, any type of nanny or babysitter or childcare or support from family members, that's kind of gone away for a lot of people. Um, kids aren't being able to see their grandparents. Um, it's impacting the kids who are having a hard time coping with it, probably having a hard time understanding because as adults, we don't even fully understand it. So how do we expect little kids to understand it? Um, the working from home, all that added stress of how am I going to do these functions of my job from home, especially if I have kids and have to be um, homeschooling my kids, taking care of my kids while working full time, and um, people who can't work from home and who are um, you know, just out of work, then you have the financial stresses and people who are working outside the home because they're involved in essential businesses that aren't closed. I'm sure they're increasingly stressed about getting sick and there's just so much to it. But all of that, when your body reacts to stress, it tears down your immune system in so many ways. So it's, it's just a really tough time and we all have to find a way to cope so that we can get through this and not be miserable and not be suffering and spending this time of our lives as you know a negative experience and so that we can have good health. So it's just, it's really tough, um, but there are things that you can do to feel better and not let it get to you so much. Right, yeah, and it's interesting because we've done, this is gonna be episode, I'm not sure exactly what number, but we've been, well over 10 episodes now of this pandemic uh, podcast um, on COVID-19. And I think I've only spoken to one person who knew of somebody who was infected, but mm -hmm. we're all impacted by this. And I think like we, what you said, the mental health impact of this and the idea of it, the adjustments to it is stronger. Um, it's a bigger impact than perhaps than the virus itself, um, knowing that I haven't talked to anybody who's been infected at all. I haven't talked to anyone who um, is personally related to anyone. But I've talked to someone who has a friend, like a kind of distant friend, mm -hmm. has it. But um, what was I going to say? I didn't want to lose my train of thought. Um, yeah, so just the idea of it and the, all the adjustments that we've had to make as a, as a result of it, and then the idea of it that weighs on us is mm -hmm. heavier in many ways than the actual virus. But then at the same time, this is what I wanted to say, the people uh, that we've heard from, like, you know, I'm a huge Twitter follower. I'm not a huge fan of Twitter, but I do follow Twitter because I can see a lot of what's going on out there. Um, in terms of personal experiences, there's a lot of snarky comments on there, but yes. also like there's a lot of um, personal examples and, and feelings that people are sharing. So a lot of qualitative data and uh, there are stories about MDs in the emergency room and people who do share the fact that, you know, you don't see this, but once you do, you are changed. Once you are impacted by this, it is, it is serious. Yeah. And what really, it's frustrating to me when I hear um, people who haven't seen it and, um, you know, who just aren't aware 
will they'll say, oh, this isn't a big deal. Why is everyone making such a big deal about it? And um, why do we have to quarantine? And then you hear the stories of people who have experienced it. Well, that's why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's serious. Um, I mean, the good thing is, yes, I haven't personally seen anybody. I haven't talked to anyone who's personally uh, dealt with it. But, you know, people that we do know in the medical field and people that we've heard from in the medical field or even on social media explaining what that process is of surviving it, it's it's not a joke and it's serious and we know that it's contagious so and then you think if we hadn't quarantined at all if we hadn't taken any precautions if there were no masks if no one was being extra careful how many people would we know who had been impacted by it right yeah it's it's scary and just seeing those numbers already it's and they're not really going down yet so right yeah, we still don't know what this looks like yet. And so we're still, we're, la we're, not at the we're not at the very beginning anymore of this pandemic, but we are still not at the middle and we're still not at the end of it, unfortunately. And I fear that a lot of the population is thinking that we're towards the end of it and loosening up and I fear a surge and we still don't know the long-term effects of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so but we have, oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, you have a lot of people thinking, okay, well, my chances of dying from it are low. And, um, yeah. you know, if, if I get it, I'll probably be just fine. And after it runs its course, there will be nothing. I'll just be healed as if I had a cold and got over the cold and my immune system will be stronger. But that's kind of the wrong attitude to take because there are so many other implications of how um, you getting that, spreading it to other people, how that can change and how much we just don't know. My gosh, it was just last week we started to find out what was happening with children as a result of the virus. Right, right. And then COVID toes and how it can last much longer than the two weeks that were previously anticipated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just so much we still don't know. But what we do know is the social and the economic and then the psychological impacts so far of what's going yeah. on. Yeah, and that can be huge. And I think a lot of people are quick to um, jump on policymakers and politicians and say, you're doing the wrong thing, you're doing the wrong thing. Well, it's easy to criticize, first of all, when you're not the one in that position to make those decisions. And it's easier to criticize after more information is available. And I think um, there's been a lot of negativity around that. Um, but, you know, really, I have sympathy for the people who had to make those decisions because, especially at the beginning, they were placed in this spot where they had to make a lot of decisions for a lot of people with very little knowledge. Yeah. There were early reports coming out of China, and then, um, you know, look what happened in Italy, for example. Mm -hmm. And, People were scared because Italy got hit hard. And what would have happened if 
the US didn't have that forewarning. Mm -hmm. And even then we had very little information. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to criticize those policymakers and say, oh, you, you made the wrong call, but what were they supposed to do, you know? Right, yeah, I think there's this uh, quote out there where like epidemiologists were saying and public health officials were saying that you would be angry if it was like totally uncontrolled and people were like, you know, it, if it really blew up, but mm -hmm. then you'd also, you're also angry if we do control it and you don't see the damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No matter what you do, someone's going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more on like the psychology of the sleep? You know, people have been having some weird dreams. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm not a dream interpreter, but um, you know, as far as weird dreams, these are weird times. And if you are stressing throughout the day, thinking about crazy scenarios, you probably notice that when you're lying down in bed, trying to go to sleep, um, your brain tends to go to the worst possible outcome. And, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're asleep, if, if you don't find a way to relax and turn things off before you go to bed, wind down, your brain's just going to keep going while you're asleep. And if you're worrying while you're awake and you don't separate the day from the night and you don't find a way to release that worry is going to continue through the night and it's going to um, impact the quality of your sleep. So you won't sleep as well. And that can shift a whole lot of things both at night and in the morning mm -hmm. and throughout the day. Yeah. Right. So, okay. I guess the next part I wanted to structure it is like, I wanted to ask you um, what's going well, what can, I think we've talked about this, what could be improved. So we've talked about mm -hmm. that approach, the right attitude about the pandemic. And then I wanted to ask you how you're practicing self-care. Self-care for me um, has been you know, continually shifting. Um, so part of it is teaching my kids to be more independent because right now it's a lot of, you know, not having resources to fall back on. I don't have school. I don't have that break. And I have my own school. I have work. And so I have to, you know, I've been working with my daughter to help her be able to do her schoolwork on her own without me sitting there walking her through it. And it was an adjustment because before she'd have a teacher explaining it and she would have, you know, people there to ask questions. She was in a community and now she's doing everything remotely online. Her teachers give her assignments. They'll do, you know, short little videos and then write some things and here's your assignment. And at the beginning I had to um, be sitting there and help her through every step of the way. And I don't know how much of that was, you know, she just wanted me to be there helping her through it and how much of it she actually needed me, but I've had to kind of wean her off of that reliance on me so that I can get away and do my own thing. So that was part of it. Um, just having boundaries and expectations and my other daughter, she's too young for school, but I've even 
you know, been trying to work with her and what can you do on your own, you know, with mm -hmm. eating and playing so that I can be doing what I need to do. And we had um, like little signs where I can be disturbed right now. I'm available for you. And then the other side of the sign was leave me alone. I'm focused and I cannot deal with this right now. So obviously if there were an emergency situation, they can always bug me and they know that. But if my sign says that I'm busy, you need to figure it out on your own. So having those boundaries and obviously guiding them and working with them so that they know how to do things on their own. Um, but at the same time, I need to be able to do things too. So that was an adjustment because generally when my older daughter is home from school, I'm available because I try to get all my stuff done when she is at school. And that's part of being able to work from home. I want to be available for her when she is home, but when she's home 24 seven, just like the rest of us, mm -hmm. I also need to get my stuff done. So that's part of self-care. Um, we also read all of the Harry Potter books and watched all of the Harry Potter movies. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like a recreational thing to keep us busy since we can't go anywhere. That's about it. Yeah, that's such a good skill though to, I mean, that, that's something that they are learning that they don't necessarily, may not necessarily learn at school. That skill of learning to be a little bit more um, independent and solving problems and being creative on their own. Um, you're teaching them these skills of a little bit of more independence mm -hmm. as well. So that's great. So they're not um, asking you for assistance every minute of the day. And I think that's mm -hmm. a powerful skill to learn as well. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful for me. I need that. <laughs> yeah. And so tell us a little bit about tips that you can uh, offer people who are dealing with problems with sleep right now with the pandemic. The biggest one that I've seen related since the pandemic related to the pandemic, also, you know, part of everyday life before the pandemic, the biggest disruptor of sleep is stress. So do what you have to do to relieve your stress. And I know it's harder during a pandemic, but um, there are also so many resources available and more and more online nowadays because people have to shift. But um, getting relaxed before bed is huge. So if you have a good way for you to relax, go with it. Um, I have relaxation recordings, so um, we'll provide information so you can find me and I'll get relaxation techniques to you. Um, some people like to do yoga, warm bath, whatever you need to do, make sure you're relaxing because if you go to bed worried, it's not going to be good for your sleep. Um, another thing without that structure of a daily schedule of activities and going to work, it's good and bad. Um, it's good because you may have the opportunity to slow down without the social engagements. You may not be stretching your schedule as much as you were before COVID. But the other side of it is that um, if your schedule is more lax, um, 
you may have a tendency to stay up late watching Netflix because you don't have to get up early for whatever, you know, to get dressed for work and commute and all of that. Um, but it's important to keep that sleep wake time the same to wake up at the same time every day. And if you can sleep in an extra half hour, that's totally fine, but make sure it's the same time every day. If you're having trouble with sleep, because if anytime you're varying your schedule, it's just going to throw off your sleep patterns and make it harder for you to sleep well. Thank you. All right. So tell us a little bit more about your work as a sleep um, at stress specialist and how people can connect with you. I work um, completely without medications and it's a lot of brain work. Um, obviously there are some lifestyle changes, um, but mostly it's brain work and how to shut down the brain before bed so that you're not having a wandering mind, worrying, um, how to change your body's response to stress. So the idea is that you are always going to encounter stressful situations in your life. Yes, you can minimize them. You can do some things to shift your life and um, eliminate some stressors, but there are always going to be stressors that pop up and there are going to be some that you cannot eliminate. Um, like getting sick, there are always going to be viruses and germs. Um, so that's something that you can't control, but you can control the way your body responds to it in your mind, the way your mind responds to it so that you're not reacting to those stressful situations and going to the worst case scenario so that you can enjoy life and live and not be worried all the time and not be stressed. And, um, sometimes that manifests into anger and how to, retrain your processes in your mind and your body so that you can live relaxed and happy and you know enjoy it mm -hmm. yeah i mean this is this may not be the first pandemic that or the only pandemic that we face let's hope it is <laughs> <laughs> let's hope so too yeah but just having that skill of being um resilient and having mm -hmm. the um positive approach to dealing with challenges can help so much. You know, even if it's, there's no more pandemic in your lifetime, there's going to be something else. Something is going to happen. It's just part of life. Stress pops up um, and we have to have a way to deal with it. And this is stuff that I wish would be taught in school, um, but it's not. And we don't learn this as kids unless our parents teach it to us. Or, you know, maybe someone has a really good teacher who throws some in here and there, but um, this is stuff that people don't see and it's life skills that they should know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. We need, we need life school. <laughs> we do need life school. Just like we need a school on, you know, kids. A lot of people say, why didn't my kid come with a manual? Well, why didn't I come with a manual? <laughs> right. For myself. Yeah. Ah, oh, so we're writing our own manuals and then, mm -hmm. and then we go away and then we're, we're gone. <laughs> yeah. well, we're, we're working on sharing the manual. So if you're having trouble, if you're struggling to cope with um, 
COVID, with the life changes, and I'm not just talking about like stress with uh, getting sick and the virus, but all of it, the stress of being at home, being um, with the people who you live with um, and not having a break because that can be a challenge in and of itself um, with adapting to changes in work, changes in schedule, not having that social relief. For people who are extroverts, this is ex especially hard. You've seen those jokes and memes all over the internet where introverts are saying, I've trained for this my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then extroverts are losing their minds. <laughs> yeah. there, there are ways to cope and you don't have to do it alone. Right. And how can we get in touch with you? I got banned from Facebook. So I am on Instagram now. It's something about moving to Ukraine. I got flagged as being a problem account because mm. I moved to Ukraine apparently. Mm. Um, so I am on Instagram, just Ashley Olivine. Um, my sleep stress business is Epigen Wellness Group. I have a website, epigenwellness.com. Um, I can just send you some links and you can put them on your show notes or wherever you put them. And any way you want to reach out to me, um, you can just reach out and I'm available. Mm -hmm. All right. Ashley, do you have any last comments or advice to share with people who are going through this pandemic out there? What should the world know at this time? Um, I would just hope that everyone can take this crazy experience. I know it seems so weird right now and like such a huge challenge and so heavy, but use it as an opportunity to really tap into what's important. And when you go back to your normal life, think about what from this uh, pandemic you want to take with you and what you want to leave behind and make sure that happens. And it's okay to trust your gut. We have so much conflicting information being thrown around. Is it safe to go outside? Is it not safe? If you feel like you need to get a breath of fresh air, you probably do. If you feel like you need to stay inside and you know, just lock yourself up a little longer after those regulations loosen up, that's probably what you need to do. So just trust your gut, do what you need to do for yourself and get support. If you're feeling overwhelmed or like you're having a hard time through all of this, reach out to someone who can help you. And there's so many resources available. So find something that works for you and do it. Yes, thank you, right, great advice. We're all in this together, we're processing it differently. And yeah, listen yeah, to everyone has different needs. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for being here today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, any burning questions about COVID-19, feel free to send me a message in Anchor. Anchor.fm slash COVID-19 PPC is our website. And until next time, stay well. Take good care out there.